Hey, thank you so much to everyone who's tuning in with us today, whether it be during our Saturday night service or one of our Sunday morning services. My name is Jason Miller, and I am one of the pastors here at Zion. Uh, we so appreciate you tuning in and being with us, especially during this really difficult time with COVID and quarantine. And no, none of us want to be online. We all want to be in person. So please continue to pray for us as we navigate these waters and just try and figure out um, kind of how do we do this continually, still building community. Uh, I want to thank Pastor Steve Bang for his timely message last week. I know many of you are not familiar with Pastor Steve or Pastor Bang, as we like to call him. Awesome last name, by the way. Uh, he was actually brought on to care for our traditional service. So for those of you who didn't recognize him, know he actually does ministry with our 8 a.m. service and is doing a wonderful job. Last week, he talked about being peacemakers. And especially in the midst of Advent, and there could not be a more timely message, not only for our church, but the world around us. Um, I, I got to share with you, last week I got a COVID test. I got my first rapid COVID test. And uh, I got to be honest, no one prepared me for it. I heard about it, but I did not understand. And so I was in line, I had to do a little drive-through thing. And I'm standing in line, and they, they finally come up where I'm driving in line. And the woman comes and she holds up what looks like a 12-inch swab. I, I know I'm exaggerating. And she says, hey, I have to stick this in your nose for five seconds. Those were the longest Mississippis I've ever heard. Her definition of five seconds was more like 30. And when she got done, I said, is it normal that I'm crying? And her exact words were, if you're not, I'm not doing it right. <laughs> now, here's why I share this. I went in hoping for a negative result that I didn't have COVID. When it came back negative, I was happy. I wasn't looking forward to the test, but I was glad to hear that it was negative. Well, we're in the third week of Advent, and the third week of Advent is all about joy. Now, I just want to be honest right now. It kind of feels like joy is a hard commodity to come by, doesn't it? Especially right now. Normally during Advent, we are gearing up for one of the greatest celebrations, the birth of Jesus, the birth of the King. And yet here we are in the midst of so much uncertainty. I was watching the news last night and once again they were talking about the battle in Congress to pass another economic stimulus package for our community, for struggling businesses and families. And again, it seems like they're coming to an impasse. And I know some people are hoping that that will come and expecting that will bring joy. How do families or small businesses that are struggling to pay bills experience joy in the midst of times like these? Or we just recently heard that they've approved a vaccine. In fact, the first people to receive the vaccine were in England. And there's all this news that they're going to be rolling out millions upon millions of vaccines to the world but the reality is, for most of us, we probably aren't going to have access to those vaccines maybe for six months to a year. How do we find joy knowing that the infection rate is going on, that our loved ones are getting sick, that there's so much uncertainty in this time? Knowing that, yes, the vaccine is coming, but how does that bring joy now? We're two weeks away from Christmas. Two weeks away from one of the greatest moments in the history of the world the birth of Jesus, and it just doesn't feel the same. Normally, Advent is a season of anticipation and excitement. 
much like an expectancy of an impending birth. We actually have a staff member who's going to be having a kid soon, and we're all excited and expecting it. But this Christmas just feels a little different, doesn't it? I'm standing here recording, and at this point, there's no snow on the ground, and it's like 50 degrees in Iowa. I've never been in the Midwest when it's been 50 degrees in the middle of December, and we're coming up on Christmas. Now, in San Diego, that's just, that's winter. It's just different. Now, you might be saying as you're listening to this, Jason, stop being such a downer, right? Lift us up. Just say something positive. But here's the thing. When we read the Christmas story, it's easy to romanticize it. We tend to think of it as being peaceful and serene. And, you know, even our songs tend to paint this picture of the nativity as this Really peaceful, beautiful moment. I mean, listen to this. Here's from Away in the Manger. Away in a manger, no crib for his bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. Like not having a crib is awesome. No, he was laying in most likely a stone or wood trough. But that's not how it's painted. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. Jesus didn't have a my pillow. Jesus didn't have a purple mattress or whatever you're sleeping on. He, the baby Jesus was sleeping in the hay. Now again, this is just a song. But here's my favorite one. The cattle are lowing, the poor baby wakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Like baby Jesus didn't cry. He was born out and just kind of came and was like, hey mom, hey dad. No, Jesus was a baby. And the atmosphere around the birth of Jesus was not quiet and serene. It was not a silent night. There were groans of birth pain. There were all the things that went along with the birth of Jesus. And yes, baby Jesus cried when he came into the world. I was present for both of my children's birth and neither of them came out and went, hey, this is cool. No, they were crying because pain, birth is painful. When we romanticize Christmas and what took place in Advent, we actually miss the greater story. You see, Jesus wasn't born in a time when everything was awesome. His birth was not supernaturally quiet or easy or, for that fact, fun. He was born in the midst of a tyrant ruler to a lower class family in a time of fear, oppression, and yes, scandal. I want to put our, let's, let's put ourselves in the story in the shoes of Joseph and Mary. Mary, most likely a teenage bride, I'm guessing 12, 13 years old, finds out that she has become pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit before she's set to be married to Joseph, her husband. She's, it's called a betrothal. From a cultural perspective, she's going to be accused of adultery. Joseph finds out about this and actually wants to quietly divorce her so as not to embarrass her. But more importantly, he thinks she's been unfaithful. And all of this is unfolding until an angel of the Lord comes to Joseph and says, hey, she did not have an affair. She did not cheat. The Lord, the Holy Spirit has come upon her and that's what is happening here. Even when Jesus was born, he wasn't born in a nice cushy hospital or in a nice hotel room. He was born in a cave surrounded most likely by animals in the cold. After he was born, he, his mother Mary, and his adoptive father Joseph, they had to flee to Egypt because there was a murderous ruler named Herod who was jealous of the birth announcement of a potential king and ordered the death of all boys two years and under in Bethlehem, which by the way, Bethlehem wasn't very big. So they had to run and escape to Egypt. And yet, this is why I love the Bible. 
Unlike some of our sermons or bumper stickers or books or the tried advice we find on greetings and holiday cards, the Bible never runs away from the reality that life is often very hard. It's not easy. Truth be told, Jesus and the authors of Scripture never promised an easy life for God's people. For those who follow Jesus, it was never, hey, become a Christian and everything gets easier. In fact, Jesus says it's going to get harder. But in the midst of that, we're reminded that joy is possible. In fact, joy is something that God wants to give us in the midst of our struggles. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but our definition of poverty here in Clear Lake in America is actually very different than poverty than the rest of the world and quite frankly throughout the rest of history. We live in a time and place where we think poverty is only living in a, a one-bedroom apartment and having one car and only a 65-inch TV screen. <laughs> Yet there are parts of the world where poverty is not having food to eat, watching your children suffer and starve for malnourishment. At the time of Christ, most people were desperately poor. Hand-to-mouth, food not being available, poor. Several years ago, I had the privilege to go to Limpopo, Africa to see firsthand the impact of a church that I was pastoring, the work and support that they had been doing through World Vision in this community. We helped uh, an AIDS-ravaged area by building kits and helping raise money to build hospitals and schools and a birthing center. These, these, this money, this package, this stimulus package, if you will, was meant to help their economy, but also to fight the ravage of the AIDS virus to help AIDS workers there. Every day we visited different locations in Limpopo and each time we and the group of people from our church, every time we visited, we were met with smiling faces and songs. People who were truly excited and celebrating and it didn't feel fake or forced. In fact, I remember often watching TV shows or, or hearing about stories when people would come into African villages and there'd be singing and I thought that was just a photo op. No, it's a real thing. We would drive in into the bush, and there they were singing and they were celebrating and they were sacrificing. But even in the midst of deep poverty, there was laughter and what seemed to be true joy. At one point, they nicknamed me Pastor Baobab. Now, you may not know what a Baobab is, but it's a local tree. Now, you may have watched The Lion King. It's that big, thick, stumpy tree with short limbs. That's right. I was called Pastor Baobab, and every time we went to a new place, they would introduce me that way, and all the locals would laugh hysterically, and I knew exactly what they were laughing at. One of my friends was sharing a story with me when one of the ambassadors from Africa uh, came. They asked to drive through our community to go see poverty in America. And as they were driving, one of them asked the question, they're driving in a poor part of our area, so when do we reach the poor area? And they're like, no, we're here. And their response was, but they have shoes. I want you to think about that for a moment. Our perspective of suffering, of hardship, might be a little skewed because we truly are a blessed people. Even our most desperate of times, we live in a blessed time. We live in a democracy, in a republic. We have a great government. We have all these things. We have, we have food available. We have churches. We have the freedom to worship. So sometimes we miss what real suffering is. And so when we talk about joy, sometimes we miss it because we think it's about our circumstances. I want to share and point us to something bigger. The past two months, 
I had two friends die in the same week. They were about the same age as me, one from cancer and one from, quite frankly, a very shocking accident that happened two months prior. As I went to their funerals in the midst of the heartache, the grief and the sorrow, I watched as a spouse, a wife who had lost her husband, a family that had lost their daughter, a son who had lost his mother, as children were grieving the loss of their father, there was still joy in a very difficult time, heartbreaking time. There was mourning and sadness, and yet there was still joy. You see, the joy of Advent is so much bigger than we realize. It's bigger than opening Christmas presents. It's bigger than singing Christmas carols or decorating our houses or even the joy we feel from joining together in a Christmas service, which don't get me wrong, all of these things are awesome and they are a celebration, but they are not the source of our joy. They should be the byproduct of our joy. Let me say that again. All the things that we do, they should not be the source of our joy. Our joy should not come from opening presents. Our joy should not come from singing Christmas carols. Our joy should not come from decorating our houses or even a Christmas Eve service. Those are the byproduct of the source of our joy, which is Jesus. Sometimes that's hard, especially in the world we live in right now. When we read the Bible, and the Bible actually talks a lot about joy. It says a lot about joy. And remember, Joy, this, the Bible is written in times, some of the most difficult circumstances in human history. When your people are being oppressed by a, a Roman government, a Caesar. When you've lost your homes and are placed in exile. When you are being chased by an enemy. When you are in slavery, the Bible still talks about joy. So where do we find our joy and how, how do we as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, as Christians, how do we find joy in such a difficult time right now when it feels like joy just is missing? I want to read through just a few things. Where does joy come from? First, the disciples' joy comes from our hope in Jesus. Let me say that one more time. The disciple, the Christian's joy comes from our hope in Jesus. Because one day we know that Jesus is going to return. That's our hope. Our hope is Jesus is going to return, that Jesus is going to fix all that's broken in the world and he's going to bring everything and make it new. Right now we're living in between the space, so to speak. So our joy is one in, in hope in what Jesus is going to do. Romans 12, 11 through 13 Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. How are we joyful in hope? Well, hope is a future thing, and our hope is in Jesus and what he's going to do. Secondly, the disciples' joy comes from our relationship and the power given to us through the Holy Spirit. Now, you may not know this, and I, many of you do, but you actually have the same Holy Spirit in you that Jesus had in Him. That's right. The Holy Spirit, when we have that relationship, when we trust in Him, when we lean in, when we develop that connection with the Holy Spirit, which is promised in you, according to Paul and the words of Scripture, that's where one of our sources of joy is it comes from a relationship with the Holy Spirit 
and the power He gives us. Romans 14, 17 through 18, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is moving in us, and in those times when you just feel like you can't, you don't know where joy is, that's where you begin to pray to the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. He is a person. He's not some floating entity. The Holy Spirit is a person just like the Father, just like the Son. And you can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit that will give you power in the midst of those difficult times. Here at Zion, we talk about power for the journey. Where does that power come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. I love that last part. Did you know that when we live in the power of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit's joy encompasses our life, your life, the people around you will see that. It's the real kind of joy. It's the contagious joy that isn't based on circumstances. Third, the disciples' joy comes from living for and obeying Jesus' commands. Now, that sometimes that feels like, uh, what? How do I find joy in obeying Jesus? Well, listen to what John 15, verses 10 through 12 says. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. If you want to have complete joy, if you want the joy of Jesus, the joy of the Holy Spirit in your life, when you obey Jesus' commands, when you live for Jesus, you actually begin to experience the joy of Christ. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. I want to give you a challenge right here, right now. This is an Advent challenge. I hope you're ready for this. I want you to find one person this week that God is calling you to bless. Maybe it's in the line at Target. And this, you got to keep your ears open and your eyes open. Be asking, Lord, who's one person that I can love with the power of Christ? And it might be as simple as this. You're in the line at Target getting ready to buy your Christmas presents. And the Holy Spirit taps you on the shoulder and says, Hey, see the person behind you? Buy their stuff. Bless them. But here's the kicker. Don't do it because you're a good person, and, and you probably are. You are. Do it to show them the love of Jesus. Tell them explicitly, this is Jesus telling you He loves you. We are called to love one another, and one of the most practical ways that we can show the love of Christ in the world is by sacrificial loving and giving. And when we do that, and I, I don't know about you, some of the most joyful times in my life happen when I take those unexpected moments where God says, hey, just step out and bless. Just love them the way I want to and see what happens. In Acts, it tells us one of the things Jesus says is it's better to give than receive. When we obey Jesus in all of our life, including how we bless other people, we experience joy. It's a byproduct of obedience, of loving. Lastly, the disciples' joy even comes from trials and suffering. This is the hardest one. When things are not going the way you want it to, when life is hard, when someone is diagnosed with cancer or someone's in the hospital with COVID or you're struggling with a child or a job or maybe you don't know how you're going to make rent or there's other things going on, whatever it is, joy actually can come through the trials and suffering. James 1, 2, and 3. Consider it Pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know 
that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. James calls it pure joy. Really? It's not just joy. It's pure, unadulterated, undefiled joy when you face trials. Uh, uh, One way to think about trials is think of them as pop quizzes. When I was was in school, when I was in high school, I never knew, actually that's not true. I knew a few students who loved tests and quizzes, but most students hate pop quizzes because we feel like the goal of a quiz is to see if we can fail. At least that's what I thought. My daughter, Indy, she loves them. She's brilliant. She's smart. She loves to take tests. She loves quizzes because for her, she's not afraid of them. Me, every time a quiz showed up, I was like, they just want to see if I'm going to fail. Here's the deal. God does not send trials your way to see you fail, but to encourage you. You see, tests, trials are not pass or fail. Rather, they're moments to show where you've grown and where God continue, wants to continue to help you grow. God does not give you these tests to see you fail. He loves you. He wants to see you become the man, woman, the son, the daughter of the king that you are. And these trials are an opportunity to see how you've grown and where you still need to grow. Why? Well, if the only way that you have faith, if the only time that you can worship is when things are going well, well, that's an easy faith. That's a faith that that anybody can have. It's easy to say, oh yeah, I love God when everything's going great. But our trials, those moments when life is hard, when we're able to find joy in Jesus, it shows that our faith has grown and is maturing with Jesus. See, we're not called to remain spiritual infants. We're called to continue to grow as children of the King. And the best way to grow is through trials. Much like going to a gym, you don't build muscles by simply going to the gym. You actually have to suffer at the gym, lift weights at the gym. One, I, I've heard one illustration. It's like buying a, a workout book, highlighting all the right things, and then saying, well, how come I'm not getting stronger? Look, I've read the book. I've highlighted things. It doesn't matter if you've done that, if you're not actually doing them, if you're not actually putting yourself through the exercises. Well, God and His love puts us through exercises to help us grow. That's what he wants for us. One of the popular phrases that I've often heard is, God will never give you more than you can handle. That's actually not a true statement and it's not biblical. God regularly gives us more than we can handle because we're not meant to handle life alone. If I could handle my life without God, I wouldn't need a Savior. You wouldn't need a Savior. God will put us in circumstances that seem so far above us Because in that moment, it's our opportunity to pass the ultimate test, which is to say, God, I can't do this without you. Help me. Holy Spirit, give me strength. Remind me that there's something bigger on the other side. You see, we need to see joy through a different lens. Joy is less about our circumstances and more about the future. Consider the story of the birth announcement of Jesus to the shepherds, Luke chapter 2, 8 through 12. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel says to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. 
How does the birth of a child bring joy? It's not like baby Jesus is going to come in swinging a sword and defeat the Roman Empire. No, they knew that the birth of a child was the beginning. Babies don't stay babies, do they? Their joy was actually in the hope of what that child would become, which is a rescuing king. When you have a child, yes, there's joy when a child is born, but the greater joy is knowing that that child is going to become a woman, a man. The joy is anticipating playing catch with my son, Eli, or watching as my daughter or, or my son go to prom or their graduations or their weddings or the birth of their own children and me becoming a grandparent. It's the legacy, it's the future that brings me hope or brings me joy, not just the moment of the birth. I was there when my children were born. It was painful. It was difficult. The joy was not in the act of childbirth or even the birth of the child itself. The ultimate joy came in the future connected to that child. The author of Hebrews says it this way, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus was not excited about the cross, just like most mothers are not excited about the act of childbirth. He knew what the cross would lead to. The joy was not the sacrifice. The joy was not that he was going to have nails pierced through his wrists, a crown put on his head, the nails pierced through his his ankles. The joy was knowing what the cross was going to accomplish. It was the end. I want to end with this last text. Romans 15, 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy and hope are intimately connected. Hope and joy always go together. It's not about what could happen, but what will happen. This is why Jesus is our true source of joy. Not because of what has happened that there was a baby in a manger. It's because we know who that baby became. And I'm not just talking about the the Jesus, the rabbi who walked and taught and performed miracles. Even the Jesus who died on the cross, which is Easter. I'm talking about Jesus, the resurrected king who our hope is ultimately in. We not only have hope in who he is, but also in what he's bringing. The king is going to return, not as a baby, but as a victorious Savior. I want to leave you with a big idea this morning. Advent is a season of anticipation, but it's not the anticipation about the birth of a past king, baby Jesus. It's our anticipation for his coming kingdom. Because when Jesus returns, it will not be as a newborn child, but our victorious king. The joy of Christmas is not about the birth of a baby, but the birth of a new kingdom with Jesus on its throne. We can have real joy here and now, no matter our circumstances. Because our hope, our source of of joy is not in a stimulus package or a vaccine or who's the next president, but in King Jesus and his kingdom. This is why we can have joy now because Jesus' kingdom is already advancing into the world through his people, through the church, through you, and through me. The kingdom of God is not just near, it's here. It's already making its way across the world through the gospel of Jesus. This is what we're called to be as a church, a source of joy, pointing people to the ultimate hope, the ultimate reality. This is how we find joy. 
I want to close this in prayer. Recently, I've been reminded of the power of the Lord's Prayer. And so what I'd like to do is to invite you to pray with me the Lord's Prayer, wherever you're watching, if you would pray this with me, because this is the prayer Jesus taught us, but it prays and echoes the heart of God. So would you please join me as I say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May you live out of the source of joy, which is Jesus, your Savior, through the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that our hope is so much bigger than a baby in a manger, but a risen King who is coming back. Thank you so much for watching. Be the light that Jesus has called us to be in our community and in the world around us. Thank you for tuning in. God bless.